Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. You're listening to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. On the show this week, we'll be discussing Italy and its painstaking search for a new government following inconclusive parliamentary elections in February. Even by its own historical standards, the events of the last week have been tumultuous as Italy's bitterly divided parliament failed to agree on a new president, turning instead to the 87-year-old incumbent Giorgio Napolitano to serve a second term. Mr Napolitano has moved swiftly to break the deadlock, nominating Enrico Letta, the deputy head of the centre-left Democrats, to form a coalition government with the centre-right of Silvio Berlusconi, the centrists who coalesced around the outgoing technocratic premier Mario Monti and the populist Northern League. With me in the studio to discuss Italy's prospects is Ferdinando Giuliano, an FT leader writer, and Guy Dinmore, the FT's Italy correspondent, joins us down the line from Rome. Guy, could I turn to you first? The reaction in the markets has been incredibly positive to the nomination of Mr. Letta, as it was to the confirmation that Giorgio Napolitano would serve a second term. Are the markets being complacent about developments? Well, perhaps they are a bit, because all signs at the moment pointing to an Italian economy that is, is heading even deeper into recession. Um, it's a much worse state now than it was just two years ago when the Eurozone sovereign debt crisis erupted. Having said that, though, the prospects now are much brighter for uh, a government that will get us out of this political deadlock and, and start to initiate some reforms. Ferdinando, uh, would Italy's partners in Europe be uh, right to be encouraged by this latest move or will we be heading for a prolonged period of political turmoil? For sure, both the European partners and the Italian business community really wanted to have a government. I think that's that's for sure. The, f- the fact that for two months after the election, there was only the technocratic administration led by Mario Monti being left there it was something which people were starting to get really uncomfortable with. However, it's not clear at all that this government, which uh, Enrico Letta is trying to form as of today, uh, it's not very clear at all that it will... Uh, be a solid one. It will be able to pass the reforms which many European partners expect of Italy. And I'm talking in particular of the economic reforms. This government may, if it's formed, it may do something on the political side, changing the electoral law, for example. But in terms of the economy, well, there's very little room for manoeuvre, I think. Guy, tell us a little bit about Enrico Letta. Well, he was very much a sort of behind-the-scenes figure as the deputy leader of the Democrats behind Pierluigi Bessani. I don't think anyone really expected him, at least a few months ago, to become a party leader or a potential prime minister. He's seen widely as a moderate, a very sensible, pragmatic person, very competent, uh, speaks languages, has had experience in government before. Most importantly, he comes from the Catholic moderate wing of the Democrats, a party that is, is deeply divided between Catholics, liberals, social democrats, leftists, and others just simply grouped around personalities. But he's managed to sort of navigate a way through this minefield. 
probably he's, he's the one person in the party at the moment who has the capacity to, to try and hold them together in this moment of crisis. More importantly, he was the bridge between the Democrats and Silvio Berlusconi's centre-right People of Liberty Party. In fact, Letter's uncle, Gianni Letter, is, is really Berlusconi's right-hand man. And both Enrico Letta and Gianni Letta served in, in the same position as cabinet secretary in, in different centre-left and centre-right governments. So there's this strong link between the two parties that will serve Letta very well, Enrico Letta, the younger one, in trying to hold this coalition together. Can Enrico Letta carry the party with him, though? Well, I think it's quite possible that the most leftist fringe of the party will not endorse this coalition government whether they will formally break away and form another faction or, or join the left-wing party of Nikki Vendler, uh, which is called Left Ecology and Liberty. They've already broken away and refused to join this coalition. That is yet unclear, but I think they will have a strong majority in Parliament, whether or not they're going to muster the two-thirds majority that they would need to pass constitutional reforms to change the institutions of government. That is another matter that they will confront further down the line. But for the moment, this coalition, if it comes about, and I think it probably will, should have a pretty solid majority in Parliament. Enrico Letta has already said that um, Europe needs to turn away from an austerity-led approach to its problems. Do you expect this new Italian government to steer the country in a markedly different direction? Well, he is in a very difficult position because given the fiscal constraints, it's not a huge amount a government can do in, in loosening the purse strings to try and lift the economy out of this recession unless Europe gives them the green light to do that. And it was interesting that Enrico Letta, in accepting the nomination today, quoted but also the European Commission president as indicating that now is the moment for Europe to look again at its austerity policies and to start easing them, perhaps. So Letta has good connections in Brussels. He's a committed European. He's in a good position to put pressure on the European Union as a whole, and especially Germany, to try and chart a new path out of this crisis and with everyone knowing that you know, Italy's economy has been stuck in recession now for two years it, its debt is rising inexorably it's going to be 130% of GDP later this year um, some change of course is, is clearly needed And will the centre-right under Silvio Berlusconi which fought a fairly strongly Eurosceptic campaign in leading up to the February elections, will they play along with a responsible budgetary policy or will they be pushing for big stimulus measures, do you think, in defiance of EU rules? Well, this is already emerging as the first big hurdle for Enrico Letta to put together this government. Some in Berlusconi's camp are even suggesting that his campaign promises to abolish a property tax and even to pay back the tax that people paid last year should be a condition before they will form this coalition. I'm not sure that Berlusconi is going to go that far, but Berlusconi is going to be in this very difficult position where he has to be seen also to deliver. One reason he lost a huge number of votes in the last elections, apart from his corruption scandals and sex scandals and everything else, was his support of Mario Monti's technocratic government and the austerity policies was deeply unpopular. So Berlusconi recognizes that he has to deliver on reducing taxes somehow. But at the same time, Berlusconi's economic recommendations are you know, big cuts in government spending, sales of government assets to generate money to do this. So, so perhaps they can reach at least some kind of compromise on that. Ferdinando, people are talking about a coalition government rather than, a, I suppose, a government of national unity, partly because, of course, 
the big surprise winner of February's elections was the Five Star Movement, the anti-establishment movement of Beppe Grillo. Where does he stand in this situation? Well, I think he's in the position he was hoping to be from day one, i.e. almost alone in opposition, able to basically say what he's always been saying, i.e. that the politicians are all the same and that they will come together in order to defend themselves rather than do the interests of Italians. However, I think there are some interesting developments um, recently. Last last weekend, there was a, an interesting re- regional election in uh, the northeastern re- region of Friuli, Venezia Giulia, where um, Mr. Grillo was the first party in the, in the national election. Now, the result was extremely poor for the Five Star Movement. Uh, his candidate only managed to get half the votes, which... Uh, the party had got only eight weeks ago. Now, clearly, this is a regional vote. There are all sorts of caveats in place. But it may show, actually, that the uncompromising stance which Mr. Grillo has had for the last eight weeks may have actually fed up some of the people who decided to give him a chance in February. So I think it's actually quite a mixed picture what he has in front of him at the moment. And uh, we'll see how it develops. So you think potentially that Mr Grillo will no longer be pushing for early elections if his uh, performance would be uh, weaker than the last time? Well, I think it's it, I mean it's hard to understand exactly what the strategy is at the moment. I think some within his party may now regret not having struck a deal of some sort with the centre-left when they were offered the opportunity by Bersani. So we need to see how strong the, the movement, the Five Star movement, really is. For sure, however, the fact that now the PDL and the PD, the two mainstream parties, have come together is a big relief for Grillo and for the movement because it means that the strategy they wanted to pursue from the very beginning is the one they can now finally pursue. Lots of commentators were saying over the last uh, week or so, or maybe the last few days, that one of the biggest developments that has emerged is that Italy has become a much more presidential system rather than a parliamentary one, essentially because the parliament has proved to be so weak and ineffective at uh, taking decisions and uh, at forming a government. Does that ring true to you, Fernando? Well, for sure, the, the re-election of Giorgio Napolitano unprecedented in, in Italian history was a major development and it was pretty extraordinary that that parties could not agree on another name so that they had to go and basically beg the president to stay. Now I think this is an important development because there had been talk of Italy moving towards the presidential system for quite a few years and uh, parties never really managed to agree on uh, setting up one. And some commentators, I think, with some reason, are arguing that actually Italy is now de facto into a presidential uh, system. Enrico Letta is very much Mr. Napolitano's man. And to understand why, we should recall that uh, during the acceptance speech, uh, Napolitano hinted that if parties didn't come together, he might resign. So this is the nuclear option, which is the most important form of support for Mr. Letta. Whether or not it will be enough for parties to come together and actually agree on something, well, it remains to be seen. Do you agree, Guy, that uh, President Napolitano has become the kind of linchpin of the Italian system? Yes, I do. At the moment, almost without doubt, he is the most influential, important politician in Italy and probably the man who by far commands the most respect. Um, You know, the fact that he'll be soon 88 is very worrying. But at the moment, really, the the future course of the country is pretty well in his hands. I mean, he made it quite clear that he had chosen Enrico Letta to be prime minister. Um, Or this was made easier for him by the fact that Bersani, the Democrats' leader, resigned at the weekend. 
So this is very much Napolitano's government. Berlusconi will be under a lot of pressure now from the head of state and, and others to join this coalition in a, in, a, in a constructive way. But whether this is a temporary move, um, we will then go back to normal, normal politics later, or whether, as Ferdinando suggests, that this could prove a kind of transition to a more presidential system with perhaps direct vote for the Italian head of state instead of being voted for parliament, we don't know, but some of the institutional reforms that are being discussed would take Italy more in the direction of a presidential system. Well, that leads me on to my final question. I'm going to put both of you on the spot. Do you think we will have fresh parliamentary elections within the next 12 months? Ferdinando. I'm tempted to say yes. I can't really see this government uh, staying together for very long. I think there are two priorities, uh, one for the country as a whole, and that is to pass some institutional reforms, mainly a new electoral law, which can guarantee some sort of result, um, and perhaps pass into a presidential system. The second priority is one for the Democrats, really, which is uh, one to regroup. And I think they now have the time to hold a party congress where many analysts expect Matteo Renzi, the young mayor of Florence, to emerge as winner. Uh, once they do that, uh, then they're probably ready for elections. question is whether Silvio Berlusconi will pull the plug first because he sees Renzi as a big threat to his, well, as a big threat in an election because he's much younger than he is. Renzi is much younger than Berlusconi. So I don't think this government will last more than 12 months. Guy? I tend to agree, and that seems to be the sort of general opinion in Italy at the moment, that this is a stopgap measure. Um, there are reforms to pass immediately, but once they can, once these are in place, there'll be nothing left to hold them together. And elections in within a year or so, um, you know, of course, it really depends on, on so many other factors, whether, whether Europe as a whole starts to pick up, the economy starts to improve, whether Berlusconi believes that it's actually better to hang on to the power he's got now back in government, which is something quite remarkable, given that some people were writing him off for dead a year ago. Um, you know, he might actually feel more comfortable sharing power rather than risking elections. But I think, yes, elections in a year's time are, are probably a good bet. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. That's it for this week. My thanks to Ferdinando Giuliano in the studio in London and to Guy Dinmore in Rome. World Weekly is produced by Martin Staber. Till next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.